The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in anguish in these flames. It's interesting that the rich man saw both Lazarus and Abraham after he died and he recognized them. And he called them out. Somehow he knew who they were. He should have known Lazarus because he saw Lazarus on a regular basis. But he never had seen Abraham. But he knew him. Folks, I believe in heaven things are going to be perfect. Amen? For those of us who don't have perfect bodies right now, we're going to have perfect bodies in heaven. Woo! I may even have hair in heaven. Heaven is God's home. Why wouldn't it be perfect? He's a perfect God. We won't need name tags in heaven. Everybody's going to know everybody. I like that. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you last saw that person. It won't matter how much they've aged or changed. Mothers are going to know their children whom they have you know, miscarried and the children will know their mom. Time won't matter in heaven and eternity. You won't grow old and you'll never get sick and you'll never die. Truth is, some things will stay the same when we get to heaven, but then there are some other things that are going to definitely change. For instance, look at Matthew 22. Interesting passage. Beginning in verse 30. Jesus said, For when the dead rise, Now, we're Baptists, we're Christians, we know what that means. That's the resurrection, right? When the resurrection takes place, when when the, the, the graves are opened and Christians rise from the dead, notice what he says, they won't be married. They won't be married. They will be like the angels in heaven. Notice it didn't say they will be angels. We don't turn into angels, guys. If you've heard that theology, it's wrong. Angels are heavenly created beings. We're different than angels. Grace can be applied to our soul. There's no forgiveness for angels when they fall. It's one time and you're out. Okay? We don't become angels. Well, we're going to be like them. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means we're going to be like them in the fact that angels don't marry They don't reproduce. They focus on serving God. They worship God. They're created as creatures of worship and service and they attend to God 24-7 for eternity. I think that's what it's going to be like for us when we get to heaven. So if worship bothers you now, you better think about it. Amen? (laughs) He said, but now as to whether... There will be a resurrection of the dead. Haven't you ever read about this in the scriptures? Long after Abraham and Isaac and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham. He didn't say I will be or I was. He said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living and not the dead. Praise God. God clearly said that He is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That means they didn't cease to exist when they died. They're alive out there. 
They even carried their names with them into heaven and they recognized that, you know, they were, they were recognizable and they are knowable. And we, I believe we all will be. I'm going to know Abraham and I've never seen him. I'm going to know Elijah and I've never seen him. He's going to know me and he's never seen me. But I want you to notice something. Notice that marriage has no place in heaven and eternity. Now I know some of you are wanting to say, praise God. <laughs> but you can't, you shouldn't. So behave yourself. Marriage is only for this earthly life. It is only for history. It has a place and it has a purpose. But it's only valuable in time and there will be no keeping of time in heaven. Once you get into eternity, it never ends. There's no reason to look at the clock in heaven. Are you with me? Dr. Evans said one reason singles, and we're talking about people who are not married, single people, one reason singles need to view their marital status in light of the kingdom is that marriage will die when we die. God calls us now to have an eye that looks at eternity and not at time, to have an eye that sees things in terms of his kingdom. We need to be kingdom-minded, kingdom-minded. I want you to notice that Paul warned that this world and all that we see and all that we enjoy, all that we touch and all that we hold and all that we have, it's going to pass away. It's not going into eternity. If you were to die right now and head out of here, you're not taking your suitcase with you. You're not taking the car you drove today. You're not going to take your house. You're not going to take the money. You got stuffed away in the bank. Nothing's going with you. As you came, so you shall go. I think Paul is reminding us that after you die and you start living in heaven, the things that make you happy here won't matter there. The things that make you sad won't affect you there. The money and the material possessions you have won't be imported in heaven. And as good as marriage can be, and I've got a good one, marriage won't exist in heaven. It won't. It's not needed. Now, again, I think Paul is trying to get us to live life by eternal values because our time here on earth is so short. He wants us to have an eternal perspective on life. Folks, listen, this is not all there is to life. It's not. And yet we live it as if I've got to have everything today. This is not all there is to life. Life on earth at best is temporary. Everything is passing away, including marriage. And so maybe, maybe Paul is trying to tell us not to build our entire lives around marriage. Ooh, that's different, isn't it? It is. But wouldn't it be better if we built our lives around his kingdom? What does Matthew 6, say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you need are gonna be given to you. Isn't that what it says? It didn't say seek to be married. It says seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom. So obviously, as I've studied scripture, it's, 
It's been impressed on my mind this week that God has a purpose for you being single if you're single. So think about it. If you're single and you are consumed with wanting to be married, you just might be missing out on the purpose that God has for your life. Can I say that again? If you're single and you're consumed with wanting to be married, you just might be missing out on the purpose that God has for your life. And if that is true, then you may not be getting all that God has in store for you in the time that he's given you here on earth. You can't afford to miss out on God's best, can you? You can't afford that. And you don't need to get in a hurry and get married. And yet our culture says you got to grow up and get married and have kids. But that's not what God says. Think about this. Put this back in your little mind and ponder it for at least a day. It is far better to wait longer for the right person if God even has a future mate for you than to hurry up and marry the wrong person. That's a lot, isn't it? You know, marriage in this fallen world is hard enough when you find the right person. You don't need, nor do you want, the headaches and the heartaches of a bad marriage or even an unhealthy marriage. So if you're single, and a lot of you aren't, but some of you are, make sure that God doesn't want you to remain single and know that before you start dating, before you get engaged, and before you get married. Are you with me? Some of you are wanting to throw some rocks at me right now. But please don't. Remember what Paul wrote in his letter. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Paul said, I wish everyone could get along without marrying just as I do. Now, we don't know. And so I'm going to go out on the limb and speculate here, but I'm telling you that that's what I'm doing. I personally believe that Paul was a married man at some point in his life. Why? Because he knew so much about marriage. (laughs) He lived it. He experienced it. But I also believe that his wife passed away. But then I believe he was given the thought or the opportunity to remarry. But I think he realized that it was better for him not to do that. He says, I wish everyone could get along without marrying just as I do. But we're not all the same. God gives some the gift of marriage and to others he gives the gift of singleness. Did y'all see that? That's what he said, not what I said, but I just repeated him. And it's okay to do that, right? The writer of Hebrews said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us focus on the Lord, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about Jesus. He focused entirely on doing the will of his Father. That was his mission in life. He lived his life in single-minded devotion to God the Father. And so should we. And we can. And guess what? Singles can do it better than us who are married. Some of you moms are ready for your daughters to get married and your sons, but think about this. Here's some thoughts about why this is true. 
First, being single can be a calling from God. Again, look at verse 7. He said, God gives some the gift of marriage and to others he gives the gift of singleness. I, I think that gift is a calling. Marriage can be a calling and singleness can be a calling. And by calling, I'm, I'm saying that simply means that that is what God wants you to do with your life. Think about it. I'm stretching some of you out there really hard today. But you know, a rubber band doesn't do its job until it's stretched. That's what Maxwell says. So think about it. Now, as I was thinking about this, this verse came to my mind. Something Solomon said, Psalms 22, or excuse me, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. I have heard a hundred different interpretations on what that verse means, at least. But think of it from this perspective. God has created your child with a particular plan and purpose in mind, and as parents, we need to know what that is so that we can help channel them in that direction. There's something unique that God wants to use your child to do. It's our responsibility to know what that is and to help them know and do God's will. Do you, you agree with me on that? Amen? Now, here's the problem. Too often, too many of us parents ignore that responsibility and we don't, we don't seek that out. We don't try to do that. Sometimes we even try to train our kids to go in a different direction that God maybe wants them to go. And sometimes we train our children to be what we want them to be instead of what God wants them to be. Sometimes we, we train them to be something other than God has made them to be. I don't know if you've looked at the news this week, but there was an interesting report on the news that got my attention the first time I heard it and I went back and I studied it a little bit. There was this Canadian person, and I use that word person intentionally, by the name of Corey Dottie, who identifies as neither being a male or a female, transgender. And it says they wanted their child to be able to do the same. You gotta think like they're thinking. And they are fighting to have their child's gender omitted from the child's birth certificate. They but there's only one. And that person said this, I am raising my child in such a way that until they, notice that, have the sense of self, which I think self, they need to have the mind of Christ, not the sense of self, right? But until they have the sense of self and the command of vocabulary to tell me who or what they are, I am recognizing the child is a baby and trying to give them, there's only one child, all the love and support they need, there's still one child, to be the most whole person that they can be outside the restrictions that come with the boy box and the girl box. When I read that, my heart just, but guess what? She won her case this week, or they won their case this week. And they have been given the authority to put a U on the birth certificate instead of an F or an M. U meaning unassigned gender. 
until later, later, later. One reporter said, this is the first step in a much larger push. What we don't know is that there's been an effort. They've been trying for years to have the gender portion on birth certificates taken out. Only God knows where this is going. But I can assure you this. This I do know today. That God's design and God's order will not change no matter what, does, what, what humans do. Nor what laws or rights or things we give. God is the same today and tomorrow and he always will be. Jesus said, haven't you read the scriptures? And that, that's the issue here, guys. We, we want to know what is truth or what's right or what's wrong. And we look, we look on the internet. We look on Google. We look everywhere. We ought to be looking at scripture. Amen? Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. That's pretty easy. So God obviously, according to his creative design, wants people to be either male or female. He makes us that way. Now, I've read some of the arguments. Some have said, well, you know, there are kids that are born differently. There are some kids that are born out there that are not clearly a boy or a girl. And I'm not a doctor and I'm not a nurse. So I tried to read. And I, what I found this week is that it is extremely rare. One specialist said sexual physiology will not allow a child to be born with both male and female parts at the same time. They would need another bottom for that to happen. Think about that. <laughs> You either get one set of organs or the other. You're either a boy or a girl or somewhere in between uh, with an in-between part of one organ. And that's very rare. And typically it's caused by some kind of medical issue, medical complication. God makes us either male or female. That's his order. That's his design. That is his plan. And it also stands to reason, plus, and it's stated right here in Scripture, and the parallel is this, that some are called to be married and some are called to be single. It happens. Dr. Evans says your calling as a single person is not just the current status you happen to be in. It's part of your calling for life. Now, your calling could have a temporary status of singleness, a temporary season of singleness, or it could be a lifetime of singleness. He said the problem today is that many singles have separated their status from their calling. In other words, they see status and calling as two different things. He says the, the cre this creates trouble because it can lead them to focus all of their energies trying to change their marital status while missing their calling as singles. God wants you to hang out with him in the state that you're in until or if he takes you to another calling. One reason so many singles are dissatisfied is that they're not finding their significance in God's calling for their lives as well as in a personal relationship with Jesus. God gives us significance regardless of our marital status. You're not a second class citizen because you're single. 
We're equal in the eyes of God. So being single can be a calling. Being single is also a perfect opportunity to focus on Jesus Christ. Now I want you to consider this if you're single. There is a good reason why you're single. And it may be to free you up from the worldly concerns of marriage so that you can maximize your undistracted devotion on Christ. If you're married, and I think you would agree with me, and certainly according to Paul, there, you know, if you're married, you have some legitimate distractions in each other. There are things that go on. Just take, for instance, you get up on Sunday morning and you're trying to get here, and you're trying to get focused on the Lord, and you do something to distract your mate so that her eyes are taken off the Lord before you get here, or vice versa. We can distract the attention that we're supposed to have on God from each other. So we have a legitimate concern. We're married and we're trying to make things balance with husband and wife in the same house. Are you with me? That also happens sometimes when you're single. The same thing can happen when you're single when all you, when all you do is think about getting married. You can think about that so much that you don't think about the Lord. You can spend all of your time and energy trying to find a mate instead of serving God. And, and sometimes it happens when you circumvent marriage by living together with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Those things can distract you. When something like that happens, and I bring it to your attention because I want you to understand you can squander your opportunity that God has given you as a single person to be devoted to the Lord. God desires all of us and, 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 and he wants us to be devoted and single-minded in our devotion to him and to him alone. Remember the scripture says God is a jealous God. His kind of jealousy is good. He wants your attention. He's not gonna share your affection or attention that he alone deserves with anybody. God doesn't want to compete with anybody and he's not going to. If you're a single person, I want you to think about this. He wants you to see your situation as an opportunity for you to fully enjoy and experience him while he fully enjoys and experiences you. He wants to be intimate with you. And you can take that as a single person to a level that us married people can't. And it's so important. So I, I just ask for those of you, and there's, there's a handful of you out here, why are you single? What's God doing with your life? What's God want to do with your life? You have a huge opportunity if you're single. And, and, and a third thing is being single is a huge advantage. Huge advantage to uh, being devoted to the Lord. I, I said the other day that perspective matters as you consider the issue of singleness. And, and the person who looks at singleness from God's perspective certainly has an advantage and not a disadvantage. Now, I know I'm stretching you, and you haven't thought about this, but there are certainly much fewer distractions when you're single. It's just you and God. Marriage can have a lot of disappointments that singleness doesn't have. There's, there's a lot of things in a married relationship that can bring some disappointments, but singles don't always have to deal with those. Marriage can also have many concerns and issues that single people just don't have to deal with. When you're single, you, you have an unusual degree of freedom, not only to pursue God's calling for your life, 
but to pursue the God-given passions that make a person feel alive. Think about it. You have an opportunity to explore hidden talents, those things that God has given you that maybe you have to put on the shelf when you get married. You can take risks to being try to achieve those things that you've dreamed about doing. You can also experience a lot of things that you've never experienced when you're married. Uh, my, my oldest daughter, and, and I, I, I just use this as an example. My oldest daughter, twice in her life, I think she was 12 and 13, a year apart, came forward and shared with us that she was understanding God was calling her into ministry to be a missionary. And I really thought that's where she was headed. But her marriage, has it hindered that or, if not possible, made it impossible for her to be able to do that? Had she remained single, she might be on the mission field today. She's making the most with her decisions and she will continue to do that. And God will bless that. But it has deviated what God wanted to do with her life. If you're a single Christian, you've got a decision to make about your life. You've got to think about this. You've got to pray about this. You've got to decide what God wants to do with your life. You have to decide whether you're going to focus on who God made you to be or whether you're going to spend all of your time trying to find Mr. Right or Miss Right. So there's pretty much three things you can do if you're a single person. First of all, you can gripe about your situation. You can go to God and say, God, I'm just tired of being single. I want to mate and I want, my, I want to mate right now. I'm tired of being alone. And sometimes, I guess, when single people are having to deal with life, they feel that way. And, you know, God listens, doesn't he? He listens when we complain. You can gripe. You can also grab on to the very next person that comes by and do your best to change your marital status outside of God's will and outside of God's timing. You can just reach out and grab somebody. People do it every day. Do you remember I said to you the other day that sex is not a cure-all? For your problems, well, guess what? Neither is marriage. Think about it. Marrying the wrong person can be hell on earth. Can I hear amen? amen. We've seen those relationships. It can be your worst nightmare. So we can go through life, if we're single, griping about our situation, or we can grab somebody out there or here's the third thing you can do, and I think this is the best. You can be still in your singleness, and you can grow in the Lord. You can be still in your singleness, and you can grow in the Lord. You can spend your time focusing on God. Because how are you ever going to know who God wants you to marry unless you focus on him first? Focus on the Lord. You can zero in on what his purpose is for your life and, and you can serve the Lord in the time that he's given you. You can make the most 
of being single rather than waste your time trying to change your situation. So single Christian, what's it going to be? What are you going to do with your life? You need to think about that. But you know, I also challenge us who are married. What are we going to do with our life? What are we doing with our life? Think about it. All of us have been called by God to something. There's a calling on every one of our lives. There's a reason why we exist. Bottom line, whether you're single or whether you're married, we are all called by God to be single-minded in our devotion to the Lord. We're to focus on him more than anything else. But that's hard to do, isn't it? It's getting harder to do. We're living in a very difficult time. I would not go back and trade places with one of you teenagers for anything in the world. It's a miracle I made it to this point. I'm not going to go back and start over again. But you have it harder than I had it if you're young. Amen? Us, we know. God help you. So easy to be distracted. There are gazillions of distractants out there that are just reaching out and trying to get your attention to take your focus off the Lord. Why? Because we live in a fallen world and the enemy is alive. I ran across this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians and, and I have deep empathy and I, and I kind of find myself stepping in Paul's shoes in what he wrote. In the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, verse 1, Paul says, I hope you will be patient with me. Some of you are saying, I've heard enough about marriage and singleness. <laughs> but be patient with me. Because remember, God puts this on my heart and I have to preach what he puts on my heart. And God brought you here today whether you wanted to be here or not. You're here. Divine appointments. I hope you will be patient with me as I keep on talking like a fool. Some of you are probably calling me a fool. <laughs> but that's okay. The only person I really have to please today is God. Paul says, please bear with me. Look at what he says in verse two. I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. What did he mean? Look at what else he says. For I promised you as a pure bride to one husband and that one husband is Jesus Christ. I promised to deliver you as mature in the Lord as I possibly can and the only way that I can do that is preach truth to you and be honest with you. Look at what he says in verse three. But I fear that somehow you will be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. My fear is that this world would put a hook in you and the devotion that God deserves will go out the window. And the world will consume you. And you'll never reach the potential that God has for your life. 
because you're not as devoted to the Lord as you could be and should be. I just wonder this morning, in all honesty, are you one of the people that Paul is describing in this passage that he feared was going to go astray and leave that devotion behind that maybe you once had for the Lord? Are you as devoted to God as you used to be? Are you? Or as you need to be? In all honesty, are you? Are you strong in the Lord today as you were two years ago or five years ago? If you're a new Christian, are you where you need to be? The answer to all of those questions is none of us are where we need to be. Amen? We all need to be more devoted to the Lord. We need to be single-minded in our devotion to Christ. We need to let nothing distract us from serving God and being who God wants us to be. Why? Because time is short and life is precious. And every day people are dying and going out into eternity without knowing Jesus Christ. That's reality. Read the obituaries. And you're not immune from having your name put in one of them. So how's your devotion? Is it what it needs to be? Well, if it's not, do something about it. Get right with the Lord. Make a fresh commitment to God. If all of this sounds like Greek to you, then accept Christ and be saved and and the Lord will make it all make sense. But I know this, if you leave here the way you came, then you've wasted your time and you've wasted God's. God wants to change every one of us to look more like his son Jesus Christ and he wants to do it today. Let's pray. Father, one of the things that you've taught me this week and I think I already knew it but I just like the way that you reminded me It started a couple of weeks ago when Joyce brought that little metal plaque that's got that little hemp string that I hung out under the the cook shed behind the house. It's those two words. Be still. Be still. Father, I realize that I'm like a lot of people. In fact, I'm like everybody in this room. It is so hard to be still. I find myself running here and running there and doing this and doing that. And so often, Lord, I I, I get caught up in the hustle and the bustle of life and and I don't think about you. I don't talk to you and I, I certainly don't seek to worship you or praise you or serve you because I'm just busy busy life can get that way Lord I have a feeling that there's a lot of us that are just busy when we need to be still there's something in the message today for everybody and I know that because that's the kind of God you are 
Lord, the most important thing that you desire for many of us today is our devotion. We need to put our eyes on you. We need to think about what you're doing in our life and allow you to do it. And we need to think about what you want to do with our life and allow you to do it. God, please take those distractions. Change us. Teach us how to walk closer to your will. Teach us how to know you, Lord. Humble our spirit. Humble us, Lord. Too often we're so proud, we're afraid to bend the knee. We're afraid to respond for fear of what others might think or for fear that our life might be really changed. God, you give us opportunities every Sunday to be shaped. God, I ask you to do that today. I don't know how you're going to work, but it doesn't matter. You already do. And you know, Lord, who you're speaking to and what you're saying. My prayer is, is that you hold the enemy back and you give us an opportunity to respond and that your spirit draw us. Because God, as we come and as we devote ourselves to you, you're blessed and you're worshiped and you're honored and our lives are changed in a good way. So Lord, I just trust you to do what needs to be done today. I, I can't do it, but you're all powerful. And I pray that your will and your way be accomplished. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and let's respond to God as God leads you. Please allow him to do the work in you that he desires to do.